0: Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business.
1: Hi guys, today we're speaking with Mugda Hidal, an engineer turned cosmetics entrepreneur who launched her unique line after quitting her day job to spend time with her children. In this episode, Mugda will
0: talk about why it's important to sell yourself and validate your problem statements, as well as offer advice on how to overcome postpartum depression and build a new business all in one.
1: If you want to connect with Mugda and other entrepreneurs like her, please open your Facebook app and search for The Female Founders Network to find our group. It's an incredible place of all kinds of resources and inspiration for women.
0: We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Mugda. How are you today?
1: Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me here. Uh, Oh, Thanks for calling in. Yeah, glad to have you.
0: Um. So you are okay. calling in from far away, but you're from even further away. So do you want to tell everybody where you're calling in from and where you're from originally?
2: Yes, sure. So I am calling in from Singapore and I'm originally from India, Bombay, uh, Mumbai, as they call it now. But yeah, I've been in Singapore for the last eight years now. I came here as a trailing wife with my husband um, <laughs> who moved through his banking job wow. and uh yeah ever since i've been in singapore i've just like uh, i've been exploring the city and uh, and the country beautiful the last year exploring it a little more because <laughs> yeah. we can't go anywhere out
0: you know so, yeah. fun fact i actually also call it bombay because i had <laughs> I, I lived in <laughs> india for a couple months back in like 2017 and um oh, wow. okay. yeah and and goa and everybody there calls it bombay Nobody calls it Mumbai (laughs) So So when we were
2: growing up Yeah 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 When we were growing up It was Bombay And then I think I was uh, About 16 or 17 When uh, the transition Happened to Mumbai Yeah
0: So it's a little difficult For me to still call it Mumbai Yeah (laughs) Yeah And Mm -hmm. like for us Americans That are listening It's like if they were to Change the name of New York City
1: Like it's like Yeah (laughs) Yeah. We would all just ignore it Why why did they change the name? (laughs)
2: Um, so it was uh, always called Mumbai before uh, the Britishers came in,
1: yeah.
2: and when the when, when when we were colonized by the British, that's when they changed it to Bombay. Hmm. So uh, after independence, uh, you know, basically a lot of governments tried to kind of move it back to Mumbai, but it was officially done. I'm not sure the exact date, but yeah, some, somewhere in the early nineties.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, so we moved back to Mumbai. Interesting. So So you're going back to the heritage, really.
2: Exactly. So a lot of cities around India actually have uh, gone back to what they were called pre-colonization. the That's
1: good. Yeah, that's nice to Mm -hmm. to hear that. So what was it like growing up in Bombay? (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we didn't have uh,
2: devices at that point in time, right? So it was, uh, and, and I come from a pretty middle class family in, in Mumbai. Okay. Um, so we lived in these, this apartment building with lots of kids, lots of festivities like around. So it was amazing because we had this small little group of friends who used to mm-hmm. hang out every day, four o'clock. It was like, as, as soon as the clock ticked four, we, had, we used to head down um, to our sort of little compound and play games, yeah, and then mm-hmm. come back up only at 8 o'clock. So lots of outdoor time, um, very bustling like city, uh, super chaotic. Yeah. Uh, so as I was growing up, I was kind of trying to make sense of all of these different cultures around me, because I come from uh, what Mumbai was initially before the British came in, which is like Mahara- Maharashtrian, is what they call it. Yeah. So I come from the Maharashtrian heritage, mm-hmm. but because... Mumbai is like a port city Mm -hmm. it it's kind of like this melting pot of a lot of people around India who used to kind of set up businesses there so eventually it became this huge colony of people from all around India so we very cosmopolitan so it was really nice to grow up in Bombay because we learned so much about different heritages different cultures and I guess that kind of gave us a lot of perspective in life as well.
0: Yeah. 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 It's also like I mean the India as a whole has changed so much mm. in in the past several decades. Do you want to talk about how that affected you as well? Um yeah. So I mean I've been in Singapore for uh, almost a decade now. <laughs> but, yeah. Um
2: yeah, as I was growing up in India, I I think I was in that transition time for especially millennials, right? Like when we when I was about 17, 18, it was when sort of Google uh, took over the world mm. uh, before that it was pretty much going to libraries and stuff so I've, I've, I've seen the influence the western influence in uh, India and especially like cosmopolitan cities like Mumbai coming up in late 90s mm. and that sort of uh, changed the vibe of the city quite a bit like we mm. were um It was like a confusing time for a lot of people because the parents come from um, the generation before us uh, who weren't as exposed to the Western culture. And Mm -hmm. then the kids were kind of just rushing to grab that culture on, right? Yeah. um, And that that the mismatch was so huge. So Mm. the the generation gap was immense uh, in in that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I, especially from my parents, it, it was just amazing for me, now that I think back and I look back that I have my own kids, for them to adapt so amazingly and so fast mm. uh, to the pace at which we were growing, yeah. for them to have taken a step back and say, oh, it's okay. You can go out at night and come back at 3 a.m. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah. I can now imagine how difficult it would have been for them mm. at that point in time.
0: Yeah, with their um, beliefs. Yeah, I think that happened like to a certain extent all over the world with millennial Mm. the millennial children of baby boomer parents if mm. you will um but especially yeah. in india one of my really close indian friends um she talks about how when she was a little girl her mom used to have like a bleach solution that she would apply to mm-hmm. her skin to try to lighten it <gasps> no. and it was it yes. was a it, it's a very con or it was a very common practice mm. um to lighten you know, a little girl's skin. That is
2: true. Yeah. And yes, and yes. then
0: once she got older, she's like in the sun and she's like really enjoying her natural skin tone, Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. deepening her natural skin tone, which is beautiful. Yeah. And I it's like, it's so interesting how the world, uh, culture in India changed so drastically in the, that time period.
1: Is that um, still Absolutely. something that is uh, in kind of Indian fashion culture, the wanting to like have lighter skin or has that kind of moved on now was that like a kind of early western influence uh, as much
2: no as much as i would like to uh, believe that it's moved on it's not yeah uh India's a very mm-hmm. complicated country and it's sort of there's there's a huge inertia there right mm-hmm. like because of the just the amount of people mm-hmm. um so while the the newer generation who's exposed to uh you know the the western culture and it's maybe not western culture but like it's it, it, they're thinking more about holistic you know like kind of getting better skin rather than just the skin color et cetera.
0: yeah so for them yeah.
2: it's uh, they've moved on but uh, if you go and you kind of look at the... the so, so in Indian newspapers, you have the section for marriages where, mm. uh, yeah. uh, strangely enough, like the parents would put on an ad, advertisement for their kids to get married to, right? Yes. So you will... It's it's very normal. You will see, uh, you know, men or... Parents of men kind of putting up advertisements saying we are seeking a fair girl who knows how to cook and you know can take care of the kids. It's very normal and it's not like kind of frowned upon or looked down upon. Yeah. Yeah. So the skin color definitely matters in India still today, and you will go to a salon and you will have. Like just like you mentioned right now, there are bleach therapies or bleach treatments that, that you can do to lighten the color of yeah. maybe not the skin as much as the hair on the skin, so it yeah. still looks a little lighter. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, and yeah, women, sadly,
2: it's still it's still there.
0: It's still there, and and it depends on where you are. It's a big country with tons mm. of people, right? It's it's one of the most populous yes. countries in the world, so it depends on where you are, of course, as uh, well, and and that kind absolutely. of thing. Yeah, but it's it's interesting absolutely. that there's so much of this still. Um, you know, a woman being. Valued, even by how well she can cook and take care of the kids yeah you know like for that yes. to be an advertisement is is wow it's such a different to open your yeah. perspective that that still exists and some women still have that experience it's yeah. crazy
1: when you were growing up um Obaga, yeah. did you um imagine mm-hmm. that you'd be starting your own business one day mm. um was that something that was kind of on your, your road map <laughs>
2: Not at all, actually.
1: (laughs) uh, So I come from a a family with,
2: like, so my dad was working with the government. He was like the excise commissioner of Maharashtra, which is like the small state in India, right? Yeah. So I come from, people within like the service industry, not, I don't I don't believe anybody in my family actually is entrepreneurial at all. Yeah. Um, they've always been employees. So that never crossed my mind at all. But having said that, when I got into my first job, I did try to do something on the side. So I've always, every job that I've done, like I've worked for other people, I somehow derive certain inspirations from the work that I do. And I feel like I can do it myself as well. So I try and do these side hustles um, up until go play cosmetics happened uh, I actually never got around to making uh, anything big out of these side hustles they were always just like you know things happening over the weekend etc yeah. but I think well, now that I look back at it I feel like that was something uh, that I enjoyed a lot more than sort of I, I looked forward to kind of doing that rather than going on the Monday to work and, yeah. you know, going back to kind of the hustle again. So I I, I I totally believe that I wanted to do something, have more say in the way I wanted products to be developed or, you know, the marketing to be done, etc. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess it was there somewhere, but I, I don't come from... Um, business sort of family, yes. Yeah, so huh. I probably didn't know how to do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how did you? How did you get from there to to where you are today? What happened? Right. Um,
2: so I am an engineer uh, mm-hmm. by education. So I I did my engineering from IIT Bombay. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: after which I was uh, working with this IP. Um, uh, practice. So it's, 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 a, it's a law firm and they have an IP arm. So I was drafting patents for IBM, Motorola, Nvidia. So so pretty much on an everyday basis, uh, I was interacting with a lot of innovators and kind of understanding how to, you know, protect their IPs. Um, so that was like the first two years of my career. And after that, I kind of worked with Directi, which is another really big uh, tech company in India. So I was doing partnerships for them as well. And uh, then I had my first child, and when he was just four months old, we moved to Singapore, and I moved here with my husband. I had to quit yep. my job at that time, and I was doing pretty well actually. I was five years into my um, into the job, and I, I was, you know, I was up for promotion as well. And I had to make this huge move in my, in my life. So it was also a baby. It was a new country. It was, yeah. I lost my job.
0: Um, and well, and your identity. Was it, like, was it like giving up? Yeah, mm. like part of your identity. Like, I can't, what was that yeah. like? Can we just like pause there for a second? What was it like to like give up this career that's like budding and thriving to like follow your husband and be like a, a mum, <laughs> you know yeah. what's that Absolutely. like
2: <laughs> it was very difficult <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. uh I didn't know what I was going through to be honest at that point in time I, I didn't take therapy I, didn't, I wasn't sure what was happening to me it was yeah. just something that was happening and I was like I I'm not feeling like I'm myself I'm not smiling anymore yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so, so when I moved to Singapore, I pretty much didn't have any social circle here at all. Uh, there was no family, yeah. so it was me and my husband and the child. And I was, it was like you know you're thrown into the deep end and you don't know how or what to do because I have this four month old baby that I'm kind of nursing day in and day out. Uh, my husband goes to work, he comes back, he looks at me, I'm sitting in front of uh, the TV, I'm watching something, and he's like, oh, what did you do all day? And and in his defense, huh. he didn't mean it in the bad way, right? But I used to snap <laughs> at him, I was like, what do you mean, what, do you, what did I do the whole day? I was, of course, like, taking care of the kid, I was doing this, that. Um, but I yeah. was always irritated, I was never, like, happy with myself. Um, yeah. And then... Eventually, I start, I was like, you know, this is not going to happen. This is not going to work. I need to start looking for a job. So that's when I yeah. spoke to recruiters. I sort of started um, connecting with a lot of people on LinkedIn to see if I can get into networks and kind of get somewhere. And uh, Singapore is a difficult place if you're not uh, a Singaporean or a PR to kind of get a job. So I struggled for the first six months, six to seven months that I was looking for a job. And those six mm-hmm. months were the worst for me because obviously I knew uh, that it's going to be difficult, but I didn't know it was going to be this difficult. Like,
0: none of yeah. my applications
2: kind of, uh, people didn't come back to me at all, or there were rejections. And I've never received rejections. I mean, I want to be modest about it, but like, I've never received any rejections in my previous jobs. Like, yeah. my first job was yeah. always the first interview that I did. And yeah. just having to face this reality that, maybe there are countries and industries that don't need you and it's yeah so it was I was down generally in my personal life but I was also down in my professional life so there was nothing that was keeping me up at all it was yeah it was a it was a pretty stressful time for me now that I look back at it I and I kind of exchanged notes with a lot of moms I believe it was postpartum Um, I, I still haven't like, you know, spoken to a therapist. uh, But I feel like that was postpartum for me because as soon as I got a job, I did get a job after that. So I kind of started, uh, I I went and uh, did an interview with this one woman who was um, heading a digital marketing agency in Singapore. It was an Indian digital marketing agency and she was heading the Singapore office for that. It was a very small little team, like four people team. So I interviewed with her and, you know, she was like, listen, I can't pay you, but you could just keep whatever you make. Um, so like commission-based. Uh, I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with anything right now. <laughs> yeah. it's so a shot. I, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. So I just took it up. And uh, one thing led to the other. And I I believe I did pretty well there. So she wanted to move to Dubai herself. So she moved to Dubai and I was handing the, handling the operations for Singapore. And we did very well, actually. So I was there for a year and a half. Um, and that kind of got me out of the bubble a little bit because I started selling more. I started... Speaking to people more, I was more comfortable being more uncomfortable, you know, like getting out there and uh, selling myself, which I had never done in my past life. So now I know the value that it can have. Just talking Mm. good about yourself to other people, like it's not a shameful thing to kind of sell yourself. It's absolutely required. So, so that's something that this entire experience taught me, that don't underplay your experience, don't underplay yourself. Like, go ahead and talk about yourself your with other people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was that cultural? Yeah. Like, did you, would you say? What would you, like, how, why did you have to get over it? Um, I guess it was cultural.
2: And also because, like I said, I, I don't come from the side of, uh, you know, like a business side of. Uh, yeah okay. community at all uh yeah. so we, my dad has been unemployed all his life my the people around me have always been employees right so it was uh and I've never seen anybody around me being so outrightly, you know like kind of selling themselves like it's it's always been easy. coming yeah, from. yeah okay yeah and I come from a premium institute in India um so jobs were coming to us rather than we going to jobs so I guess we lost gotcha. out on that Right, uh, kind of going outside and selling door- to door sort of experience that I think teaches you a lot in life um yeah, so that so this experience taught me a lot, and then after that, I moved to Seattle, which is an early stage ed uh, edtech uh startup, so I was doing marketing for them for a couple of years, and that taught me a lot again, so I was handling their growth in marketing after yeah, which I nice. took. A- Yes, yeah, so I was there for like two years, two three years, I think. And then I took a break because I had another child and I wanted to be with the child again. So I think this whole dilemma, motherhood dilemma, is something that pretty much everybody goes through. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I decided to take a pause in my career uh, each time I had a child because I wanted to kind of do justice to that side of uh, my life as well.
1: How much time did you take off?
2: With my first child, uh, I took like a good year and a half. With my second child, yeah. I didn't take any time off when he was born. I was pretty much working throughout. And which is why I thought I was losing out uh, on being with him. So I, uh, after a year, uh, I, I um, left my job. So he was about a year old at that time. And I wanted to really like kind of be at home and just be with him. Um, yeah. So when I quit, I was at home for a couple of months. And I was like, this is not working. I was going back into the whole, you know spiral <laughs> downwards as soon as I yeah. kind of, stay, started staying at home and being around kids and my I saw my husband going to work I was like this is not for me um okay. so I at that point in time I was uh, I started seriously thinking about doing something for myself because I wanted the flexibility of sort of being with the kids and also getting that uh you know sort of outside inspiration and putting my skills to use somewhere so that's when I started thinking about doing something on my own. And we took a couple of vacations as well. So I have always been inclined towards cosmetics. Like I did try getting into Estee Lauder once uh, and Condé as, as well. But I, this is like the fashion and beauty industry was very interesting to me. So mm. I, when I took these few holidays, I uh, I went once actually, we went to uh, New Zealand and mm-hmm. I, it was supposed to be this really nice hiking sort of a trip where we were just driving around doing hikes and stuff. So I didn't carry any makeup with me at all. Um, yeah. And then one day when we were there, my husband was like, oh, I've, I didn't tell you, but I booked us on uh, this fancy restaurant. And I was like, shit, like what am I supposed to do now? Because I don't have makeup. I didn't carry any good clothes. <laughs> you're like honey this was
1: an earthy vacation
2: (laughs) 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 exactly so um so anyway I just put on like a black t-shirt and I was like okay I just need a red lipstick now and I'll be okay so uh, we literally just did one stop at a drugstore and I was like let me just go in get a lipstick and I'll come out and you can't try right anything the drugstore so I pretty much I I went inside I picked whatever red I saw and I went back in into the car and I put it on it was the most terrible red for me like I it, it, yeah it was not nice so I I, I I had to throw that away literally because at that time I like I didn't know what to do with this really garish red color that I just bought um and then I went back home and then we, we were moving houses uh, Where we reached home, right? And I, I think it was two, three months later. We were moving houses, so I was packing up everything, and I saw that I had this huge carton full of makeup. And I was like, "Oh mm. my God, this can't be happening, right? Like I have this huge collection of makeup. <laughs> when I want something, I don't have it, so I go and buy more things, and then I keep collecting, collecting. Yeah. And I saw that most of this makeup that I have, I have never used even. Right? It's it still has yeah. its tags on, or <laughs> So that kind yeah. of got me thinking as like, there has to be some solution to this. Like, how can I have access to whatever I want and still not carry around so much stuff? And uh, I mean, I, 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 I like to paint and stuff as well. So I know how color theory works. And uh, it's like, you know, what if I just have like your red, yellow, blue, and I just mix these colors up? and certain proportions i can pretty much get anything so all i need when i travel is just red yellow blue maybe some system around it to kind of mix it up and then i can just yeah. get whatever color i want and i don't need to think about what i'm going to pack when i'm traveling right I'm, i don't need to match my outfits to my makeup etc so i started thinking of this
1: those... sorry and this is the first idea for what lips kit then became exactly exactly so this was when uh, i i
2: It was like, it was, I wouldn't call it a light bulb moment, but every single Mm. night that I was sleeping, I was just thinking about how can I make this system more, like better? Like, how can I make it better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, I went on to Alibaba And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me just order all of these samples because Alibaba is awesome. Like that was such a revolution for me. It's like, okay, so now I'm doing hardware, but there is still a lean way to do this. Let me just go to Alibaba, yeah. just order samples, like figure out how this works.
1: Wait, so, so that, you went on that, Alibaba to get samples of what lip colors, like red lip color, yellow lip color, blue lip color. Was that, was that what you like exactly. searched in? Okay. Yes. I didn't even know they did a yellow lip color.
2: Right, right? Yeah. So so apparently if you have like enough uh, of an order, like your minimum order quantities are good enough, they'll just do any color you want. And it was just amazing. You should just go on to Alibaba just for the fun of it. It is amazing. Like it's like a whole new world. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, so I went on to Alibaba and I kind of got uh, getting samples of these colors, but as well as uh, some sort of apparatus to dispense the colors in accurate quantities. Because of course you can do it with syringes, right? But it's not mm-hmm. pretty. So how I was mm-hmm. thinking about how can I make it look pretty as well? Like I can't go around carrying syringes.
0: So like uh, a consumer-friendly like container, consumer-friendly for the color. Yeah. yeah, and
2: yeah. yeah, And at that time I was just looking for myself. Like I wanted to build a system for myself.
1: Oh, um gotcha. And
2: yeah, and I was like, how can I do this? So Ali, Alibaba, AliExpress sort of, kind of, they were the first uh, stock for me. And then um, what I did was I actually gathered a few friends as well, because this is so when I started building the system in my head, I, I was like, maybe there is a market for it. Let me figure it out if there's a market for this. So I yeah. gathered like 10 friends and, I, and we did this dinner party, lipstick party. Uh, so I literally actually glued five syringes together and I had uh, five lip, color, lip lip colors in those syringes, like red, yellow, blue, white and black. And yeah. I created mm-hmm. recipe sheets for each of uh, the ten friends, and I said, hey, "Now you go ahead, just go crazy, create whatever lip colors you want, and take it home." So that's what we did. It was a really yeah. nice wine and dine party <laughs> with. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. So it was, more, and I love to host parties. So it was. Uh, it just gave us another reason to host a theme party.
1: <laughs> yeah. So.
2: Party. Uh, yeah. Why are <laughs> you this, Yeah. <laughs> so so that said that that went really well and uh, then the, the men joined us and they did a little lipstick session as well um yeah, awesome. and then um after that I was pretty confident and I had like a little questionnaire for people to fill in so I was like okay maybe this could work but these were just friends telling me this is awesome I can't believe friends so I needed to get some validation from people who didn't know me at all So that's when I sort of uh, went onto Facebook groups. So there are these expat groups in Singapore, which are just amazing. Like they're lifesavers. So you go into these Facebook groups and you just ask people, hey, I want to kind of treat you to coffee for like a 15-minute chat. And I literally got like more than 50 responses. Uh, So that was amazing. So it was 50 Starbucks coffees that I had to give away in return for 50 uh, interviews with
0: people. But that got That's me pretty started. That's cheap research, though. yeah. <laughs> like, Isn't for it? some good insights, it's like it a was... $5 coffee, and then you get a ton of insights. Yeah. So good.
2: Yeah, and it was, um, it was amazing because a lot of people brought their friends along as well. So <laughs> it was $5 for five people, so that was good. Um, but yeah, in the process, I was trying to refine the whole idea, see if there was, in fact, a problem statement there at all. And if the solution was what I was thinking, it was. So that's how I started.
0: Doing Hang on a second. Can we sure. pause on that? Just because that Sorry. was so brilliant. <laughs> so you fell in love with the idea, but you then validated if there was a problem statement. Mm. That it, what do you mean by that? Can you just explain? Because we have a lot of of women entrepreneurs with different ideas in their heads about businesses they want. So how? What is a problem statement? And why did you go back and refine it for everyone listening?
2: Yes, um, good question. So the problem statement was, again, this This uh, idea came from my personal pain point. So my personal pain mm-hmm. point was that I had so much uh, makeup on me, but I never, ever ended up using all, all of it. And I wanted to kind of become more sustainable, right? So the whole problem statement was, how can I have access to all of these colors without actually having to go and buy these colors? So that was a yeah. very simple problem statement. I wanted to cut down on waste uh, but still have access to uh, possibilities. So uh, when I started kind of developing the solution, it was uh, the first, uh, the third iteration was DIY. Like the first iteration yeah. was actually something which was more like electronic, which is like this fancy device. But again, yeah. that has like huge barriers to entry, right? Um, yeah. So the third iteration was essentially let's just keep it simple, kiss philosophy keep it simple silly just do mechanical let people pump it out and create colors so yeah. so my after three or four iterations was this system that was born uh, but again this was something that I was born from a very personal need so I wanted to kind of understand if other women had the same exact problems or not so that's because of yeah. that and this the while the investment wasn't as high as I thought it would be because I was going very lean I was Sourcing uh, components that were already on the market and creating a system around it, so it wasn't mm-hmm. as expensive, to be honest, uh, because I wasn't developing everything from scratch. But I still wanted certain amount of val- validation before I put in that twenty k, you know, into into mm-hmm. the, the product development. So when I went out and I interviewed all of these women, I was I kept my questionnaire extremely open. Uh, it was just to yeah. try and understand uh, if if first of all you know do they like the process of buying makeup or do they like makeup because if they like the process of buying makeup then basically there is no invention right this solution doesn't match that problem yeah because if they're still yeah. going to go to a sephora and spend that money even if they're not going to use that product it's it's immaterial yeah. if i give them a product which can create so many colors
0: so i was trying to they're understand buying this, the experience yeah they're buying the Yeah, experience. yeah 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 okay yeah. gotcha so, so, my questionnaire
2: in that sense was very open, and I did obviously get a lot of help from friends who are into product development to create this questionnaire. So, I reached out to my network to figure out if I'm doing this the right way um So I created a questionnaire and I kind of got inputs uh for uh, you know like validation and my I went in with a hypothesis and I figured out if this is right, this is right, this is right and then there are certain things that I validated uh, which was wrong as well. Um, so when I went back to the drawing board, I put all of this into perspective and I realized that, hey, you know, this solution matches the problem. There, but there was only so much I can do to validate. I've already asked 50 people. Now, uh, my best validation would be when I get outside, ask people to buy it. Like when yeah. people start buying this product, that's when I know it's actually really validation. valid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, in the hindsight, I could have done it. Uh, you know, could have done pre-orders or something, which I didn't do. Uh, I believe that's something that I have learned from my um, experience. But I, what I did at that point in time was I just started an Instagram account. Uh, I started doing teasers around uh, the the product concept, and you know, I started getting more. Uh, Traction from Instagram. So at that point in time, even before the product was released, a lot of people reached out to me and hey, you know, started telling me this is amazing, this is what I lead in life. So that again sort of kept pushing me. And I think my biggest sort of uh, you know thing to do and uh, at that point in time was I I kept actually pushing the date of release because I didn't know if I was personally ready to release it. And then there was this one message that I got from a lady on Instagram saying, when are you going to release this? Just tell me already. And I was like, okay, now I just have to put a date to it. Because I can sit on this forever just thinking, is this okay? Is this going to work or not? Or I can just put a date on it. So I literally just put a date on it. And I did not even think about it. It was like two weeks away. And I put a date on it. And I said, 25th July. That's when we launch. And we start (laughs) shipping it out. And then I started working backwards from that time. right? Like now it was out there in the world. And now I did not have any excuses at all. Now now
1: I just that's had a to kind good of tip actually. Yeah, yeah so you just ha- having put that a... date. Yes,
2: yeah. you just have that date. And that's what I do now actually. Now every time I have yeah. to do something, I'm thinking I realize that I'm thinking too much about it. I just put a date on it and I was like, now we'll see. Now we just have to work yeah. backwards.
0: Otherwise so it tells I to someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell someone. Yeah. Tell someone the date. Oh, actually I'm doing this on this day. And then once you've told somebody, then you have to like hold yourself to account.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly. So I put a data in and then I was like, okay. And then I hustled the heck out of it. Like, cause I had two weeks to release it, to figure out packaging and everything. Um, And yeah, and and pretty much on 25th, we opened doors. Uh, We started taking in orders. I did my e-commerce in 14 days. My setup on Shopify. I I set up my Facebook page. I created a community. I did pretty much all of this in like less than two weeks. Uh, It was shabby as hell, but I knew I had to get it out (laughs) (laughs) so and then I started getting orders from people that I don't know I mean of course families family and friends ordered but then when I started getting orders from people who I didn't know uh, that's when I knew that this is it you know that's 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 when I knew this is going to work and then all I needed to do was kind of get that product market fit right yeah. Um, and then so where were from, your orders
1: coming from? Was that like online sales from a website? Was it mainly people in Singapore, India, or the rest of the world?
2: Yeah, tell us. Yeah, so the first uh, couple of months was uh, Singapore because I'd opened free shipping only for Singapore. And I wasn't even like mm. kind of promoting it outside of Singapore. Uh, and then I started doing uh, international shipping, I think two months into um, uh, the launch. Uh, we, we are still charging shipping for international deliveries, uh, but we are absorbing a portion of the shipping now. And then when I switched on international, that's when I started getting international orders as well. And I was at that point in time, I didn't have my analytics set up properly. I was pretty shabby with pretty, like everything. Nothing was set up the way it should have been set up. Uh, and strangely enough, I started getting all of these orders organically. I wouldn't say they were amazing because we weren't putting any marketing dollars towards advertising as such, but I was still mm-hmm. getting all of these orders from random places. Like I got orders from Germany. I got orders, a lot of orders from Canada mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. I got orders from France, Japan, and then, uh, then I set up my analytics and I was like, no, now I need to know where these guys are getting to know about me, right? But the, the yeah. best thing that happened to us was in the second month that uh, we started doing international, we uh, we got an order from Canada and uh, I, I stalk each and every customer of mine. <laughs> so I I searched mm-hmm. the, the email address that was used for the order and I figured out that this person is a makeup artist of Interstellar and X-Files. She's an Emmy Award nominee. And, wow. And... Uh, yeah, and then I I reached out to her. And I said thanks for your order, etc. And then so up until now, I'm I'm in touch with her. She ordered like a couple of more later because she loved it so much. So she ordered for her team. So that for me, I think was like the highlight of it all. <laughs> um, wow, that's so now,
1: amazing.
2: yeah, yeah. Now now we are kind of working on a more tech sort of product, and we are roping her in for advice on how to personalize the kit as well.
0: So yeah, I mean, it's how been super good. exciting. That is so cool. And I love the fact that like you just from a buyer, you're turning them into like, kind of an insights team. You're Mm -hmm. like, hey, you're obviously really good at makeup. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, like, what can you tell me? What should I do next? Blah, 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 which is such a great place to be in as an entrepreneur.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just have to tap into all your resources. We are bootstrapping. So we don't have this huge sort of network of investors who are hoping for us, right? We are in the fundraising yeah. process right now. But uh, yeah. up until now, we've been bootstrapping. So we're just kind of tapping into all resources available out there.
1: That was going to be my next question, actually. is like, are, are you going for funding? Is, is that one of your goals for 2021?
2: Yes, absolutely. So we do realize that this uh, beauty Mm -hmm. industry itself, like one of the major pillars is marketing, right? It's all about packaging, branding, marketing. And uh, these take a lot of uh, capital. Um, So while we've bootstrapped up until now, uh, it's not scalable. So in in order to be scalable, we will need to kind of have an influx of um, funds going towards marketing and we want to repackage we want to kind of uh, you know partner with a lot of other brands like Disney or Hello Kitty for instance and kind of create a packaging around that as well for certain seasons and limited editions so all of this requires some amount of funding uh, and it is hardware yeah. industry so as much as we try to go lean there is only so much we can do with the huge amount of MOqs that we work with um, yeah mm-hmm. So, yeah, taking note of all of this, we definitely now need to kind of scale up and funding is for us like kind of the way to go. But of course, we're looking for investors with a good industry fit who can connect us. It's about the money, but also more about the connections.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the key like benefits of having funding from you know a venture capital partner or an investor that has the knowledge is that you get their network as as well as the funds which can sometimes be more valuable right right absolutely. Um, how are you finding that process in Singapore what's the um the investment landscape like there
2: um it's actually really uh good and in Singapore as they call Singapore like the Silicon Valley right like of Asia yeah, nice. the government itself has made it really easy for uh innovators and even expats like us like we have a lot of avenues to to raise, so so right now actually we are a part of Antler, which is uh, uh, an incubator. Uh, so we work mm-hmm. with. Uh, so I'm, we still haven't raised with Antler yet, but uh, we are basically working with coaches here to kind of uh, you know get our pitch right, and then they connect us with other investors. So there are a lot of mm-hmm. these incubators, accelerators in Singapore. Other than this, there are a lot of angel networks as well, like InvestorNetwork.sg. That's amazing. So I've, I've gathered a lot of interest there as well. So so I believe Singapore is uh, like an amazing place to be in because it's, and COVID itself has, I think, made the landscape even more like it's, it's much more conducive to investments now that people are kind of looking at uh, hedging their kind of risks. So yeah. in that sense, uh, Singapore has been really good, and 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 yeah. it's just the red tape is pretty much non-existent in Singapore. It's it's like you think of a company today, and tomorrow you can have it incorporated and done and dusted with. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's a very agile sort of an environment.
1: Yeah, and like startup friendly.
2: Very startup friendly. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh my god, that's so exciting. So, what does the future of GoPlay Cosmetics look like? from like 2021 20, onwards how do you see yourself in 5 years what's your vision
2: um right so up until now like last year we launched our lip kit so that's basically for the just for the lip vertical uh we are looking at now launching a personalized version of the lip kit so so the current one in the market basically is a uh, generic uh color tubes inside so you could get pretty much any color uh but you will have to kind of figure out how those colors work for you. So our next version 2.0 for the lips kit is personalized colors. So there are essentially, if you um, go by color science, color theory, there are 12 skin seasons um, and you can fall into one of these 12 skin seasons. So there are skin seasons like bright winter, deep winter, deep autumn, etc. Depending on the kind of skin season that you are, there are certain colors that work for you and certain colors that may clash with you. Uh, so yeah. while we're not advocates of kind of, you know, sticking to a certain color palette, you can just mm-hmm. decrease the possibilities of choosing a wrong color. Because that's one of, uh, you know, another kind of reasons why there's so much wastage in the industry, right? Because you go to a Sephora, yeah. you pick up a color, and then you go back home, it just doesn't look right on you. So mm. the personalization aspect is basically where our system understands what your color season is. And the cartridges that go inside of uh, the the kit are personalized to your skin tone. So that you can now create a red, which is just for your skin tone. Because your red, Sylvia, will be different than Nat's red, uh, depending on your skin season. So -hmm. this kit will be able to create colors just for your skin tone. So that's happening uh, in March this year. So that's... Again, that's a date that we've put up and now we are working backwards. Um, (laughs) So so March is when the personalization happens. Uh, June, July is when we are looking at an eye kit and uh, eventually then a face kit and a nail kit will happen much later. But yeah, so we're looking at kind of... Yeah, so it doesn't have to be just the lip skit, right? So th- this whole vertical again is about creating on demand colors which are personalized to you. So that's what we are aiming for: personalization yeah. and on demand. Um, and we see ourselves. You as- be really
0: great. Just throwing mm. this out there <laughs> as a yeah. as a woman with like naturally pale skin that can get tan. Mm. It's yeah. like whatever CC cream you have with just, like, a mm-hmm. touch of, of color in it to smooth out your complexion. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. that CC cream, you have to have, like, three of them. Mm. Because you yeah. have to—I mean, I'm, and I've never been a heavy foundation wearer or anything like that. But, you know, you got to have three. You've got to have, like, your your summertime shade and then, yeah. like, your spring and fall shade and then your winter shade yeah. Yeah. when you're Sunshine. never getting any sun because your skin tone changes so much. So that's, right. like, such a natural—I'm like, oh, what if I could just have a tube and customize it based mm-hmm. on the time of year?
1: yeah. Absolutely. Like,
0: quick fall. I would like that too. <laughs> Could you please come Absolutely. up with that as soon as possible? <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I myself tan, tan a lot. And uh, being in Singapore, yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah, the weather is very... Yeah, it's, it's transient, but like it's uh, when you tan, you tan <laughs> um, and yeah. my colors just don't match. So I, I have even right now, I have like so many foundations and any single day I'll mix up foundations. There's not one foundation that I use. I'll usually mix like two or three foundations together to to come up with a color that matches mine. So, I yeah, that's definitely something that we uh, know is a problem. And it's so easy with the system to incorporate all of these ideas, right? Because it's essentially Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you just have cartridges of uh, different shades and you mix them up. The whole idea is then um, to have the accurate dispensing in place. As long as you can have that accurate dispensing so that with each click, only that same amount of drop is falling out every single time. Then you can have control over and create recipes, So that was basically the crux of the invention at the end of the day, right? Just having this accurate dispensing feature. And with that in place, all of these ideas can very well be kind of incorporated immediately.
0: Yeah. So your idea was customizable makeup, but really your invention was the hardware that can, uh, you know, give you the ability to customize makeup. That's really interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, I just want to give you a really quick opportunity. What else, just because you mentioned this, and a lot of women go through this, we've talked about it on the podcast before, um, for women who maybe have given up their traditional career or mm-hmm. their former life in some mm-hmm. way um, to become moms, you know, and they want to do something for themselves, and maybe that thing that they want to do is to create a business what would be your piece of advice? What would you tell yourself when you were back in that space?
1: Mm. And that low head space as well. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, um, okay. That's a difficult question. <laughs> 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 um,
1: so I would just tell you what I
2: did, right? Um, I What I did at that point in time when I uh, took the second break in my career with my second child just before GoPlay happened. Um, so at the two-month mark, I was like out of like, my previous job for two months. And I was at home with my child and I was kind of figuring out what to do. And when I knew I wanted to do this, I literally was stepping out of the house for six hours. I was like, I'm not going to be in the house for six hours, no matter what I do outside doesn't matter. But I'm not gonna So I want my child to understand that mom has a job, she's going out. So for six hours, I used to sit at Starbucks. Um, And whether I had something to do or not, I would still go back home only at like, 4 or 5 p.m. Yeah. Uh, so that became a habit for me. Uh, and mm-hmm. working from Starbucks was amazing again, right? For, uh, because everybody's working from Starbucks. It was it was like a co-working space in, of sorts. Um, so I used to go to Starbucks and I created this discipline for me that I'm going to uh, do certain things in these six hours and then head back home. And when I'm, once I'm home, that's it. I'm with the child, with the family. Uh, So I created this sort of discipline for me where it's six hours of, you know, sort of hardcore work and then going back home and family time. Um, Yeah. So I think that getting that discipline in place is important also for yourself, but also for the family so that they understand that, you know... there is a family time and then there is mom's me time, which I cannot yeah. kind of intrude into. For me, that was uh, that was the definition of balance. Right, I wanted to give mm. some amount of time to myself as well and have that family time. And the second thing, like I said, again, like just creating these uh, goals for yourself and the goal is better if you tell other people. So I created these goals for myself and I shouted them out loud. So I used to write Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, I used to tell people. So before I made a visit to China to meet my manufacturers, I didn't even have that plan in my head, but I was uh, speaking to a lot of people and I, I just used to go and tell them, hey, I'm going to China to meet my manufacturers. And because I was telling them so much, they kept kept me in check. So they kept asking me, oh, when are you going? When are you yeah. going? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now I'm doing my ticket now. <laughs> so it was a lot about sort of shouting it out, like telling people about what you're going to do so that you can then, it, it keeps you disciplined enough to deliver. Uh, yeah. But that worked for me. I'm not sure if it works for everybody, but that definitely helps me sort of um, have that discipline uh, sort of life and create that work-life balance because I tell other people that I'm going to do this at this point in time and then I I
0: personally feel obliged to deliver. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe sometimes like the point that I think one of your points, sometimes the way to get past a, a hard place is to just force yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did. You yeah. you kind of put a drill line in the sand and you're like, nope, this is the date. I'm launching a product. I'm doing something for myself. I'm yeah. going to Starbucks to work even if I spend that time just Googling things.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. And then when so you're good. obviously outside and you're in that headspace, you won't do anything other than like, you know, do your work or do something to kind of accelerate that. You will not be like shopping yeah. outside.
0: So, Yeah nice mm. so good well thank you so much this has been incredible yeah um thank it's such you. a good idea first of all yeah. the the process that you went through to actually bring this thing to life is amazing and thank yeah you. so inspiring thank you so much for coming on the show thanks nad thank you sylvie this was amazing was, i feel like yeah, i've spoken for the me. rest of the week <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um if someone wants to shop your product where can they find yeah, it Yeah, uh, they can go on to go and just order their kit online it'll be delivered beautiful. within the next seven days
0: yep beautiful so good okay well we have uh connected with you on every platform so please mm-hmm. do keep in touch and yeah have have a good day stay safe out there thank you
1: see you See you guys. Bye. 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 This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.